Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Della Valley, aka MDV, and you are joining me for episode 88, the one about nutrition and lifestyle. And me and Mr. Max Isaac are back on the mic this week, chopping it up about one of our favorite topics and most controversial topics, nutrition. The topic of food can get really spicy, literally and figuratively, because a lot of people are dogmatic in their approach and will defend it to the death. Now, in this episode, me and Mr. Max are going to break down our approach to nutrition as well as why it works for us, why it might work for you, why it might not work for you, and whether or not your approach currently is the right one for you. There's a lot of variability in nutrition. We dive into a lot of really interesting topics in this episode. But before we get started, I want to make you aware of the NC Fit Collective. If you're a gym owner, a head coach, or a coach out there, and you are not checking about what we're doing with the NC Fit Collective, you are missing out. We are developing world-class coaches every single day with the NC Fit Collective. Your coaches will get access to an expertly written class plan, including an intro, a warm-up, a timeline, a stimulus, adjustment options, teaching sections, and much, much more. In addition, coaches also have access to a highly curated coaches video every single day, and we have multiple programs that you can bring these coaching tools to life. NC Metcon is our version of GPP, has absolutely everything you would ever want in a really well-rounded, constantly varied functional program. And NCX is our strength and conditioning take. It is an 85 mile per hour fastball down the middle, a little less complexity, more moderate loading, but exactly what the average person needs to get really fit every single day. And if you're already really fit, this will build your base like no other program. So please check out the NC Fit Collective. Now, without further delay, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about nutrition. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro. I'm sitting down with my main man, Mr. Max Isaac, and we were just chatting deals, negotiations, big old dollar. No, we're not really chatting. <laughs> we're chatting about nutrition today, homeboy, aren't we? Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to have a nutrition talk with the uh, with the nutrition sensei over over here. The nutrition um, sensei. Well, yeah, because I think that. Um, I think that you've tried a lot of different things and it seems like the way that you're eating right now is it, it seems to me to be one of the most sustainable ways that, that you've done. We, you, you and I have both tried a, a number of different things. Um, you know, I remember back when I tried the chocolate milk and perfect bar diet and you know, that didn't work you, out you, for you. You know, you add a hundred pounds to your box squat, but you can't run 400 meters. So there, that didn't work well. Um, but I was so um, motivated. I was really so interested in in the stuff that you'd been posting. Um, Tilt is taking what you're doing. We're doing a we're we're running with it. We're not calling it the zero one challenge because of copyright infringement. <laughs> so we're calling it the one zero rule. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so one plate. One plate, zero ingredients, not zero ingredients, one plate. So it's a little bit different. It's our proprietary blend. It's a little bit different. So our lawyer, our lawyer said that we could get around it this way. It's like Vanilla Ice explaining how his song is different from the Queen song. It's dent, 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 not dent, 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 dent. It's a little bit different and it's just as good. So anyway. Uh, I'm excited about it. We're starting uh, starting this Friday or this Saturday. We're doing a really big kickoff where we're going to run one class total at all at all of our gyms. So we're closing all the gyms. We're holding one massive class at 8 a.m. on Saturday, and then we're having a nutrition talk afterwards. So I'm excited. That's awesome. I'm I'm super happy for you guys. Um, you know, obviously, I'm putting out um, a message of simplicity in terms of nutrition uh, on my social media, and the zero one rule essentially is you're taking foods that have quote unquote zero ingredients as minimally processed as possible. So no added shit, no preservatives, no nothing in it. Just ground beef is ground beef, chicken is chicken, carrots are carrots, apples are apples. You know, it's like as minimally processed as you can get without going 
completely loco and going out into the forest and hunting squirrels and stuff like that. And then putting those ingredients, quote unquote, zero of them on one plate three times a day or four times a day if your nutrition needs or your your output needs necessitate that level of food, that level of nutrition. And I, I really am going off of hunger cues. I'm not weighing and measuring anything. The composition of my plate is for me heavier on the protein, heavier on the carbohydrate in terms of uh, fruit and, and white rice and um, fat on there as well. Um, mostly avocado, some butter, some cheese. Um, and yes, there are some things in my diet that do have multiple ingredients in them, like cheese is not comprised of just single ingredient. It has milk fat and salt in it and enzymes. Um, ultimately, I look at foods that combine other foods with zero ingredients to be a zero, a net zero, right? So if you took ground beef and you put broccoli into it and you combine them, that's still a zero to me. Essentially what I'm doing with this approach is trying to get people to understand that the way that I think about nutrition is the stuff that we're eating and putting into our bodies on a regular basis just isn't great for us. Highly processed foods, foods with a lot of additives, preservatives, foods that are just laden, artificial sugar, chemicals, all this kind of shit. And in my opinion, and other people have different opinions, this is not the way to optimize your health or performance. And I want to get into that with you and talk about it a little bit for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me about this nutrition debate is that over the past few years, I think that a lot of people have really come to the front with the macro approach, you know, calories in, calories out, making sure that you can uh, approach nutrition from, from that perspective and that you can eat anything and, and you can be healthy. I don't think that that's true. I think that there are obviously the law of thermodynamics, I believe it is, is accurate. There's an interesting wrinkle there that I want to talk about in a little bit, but I don't believe that a calorie is a calorie. I don't believe that a calorie worth of Skittles is the same as a calorie worth of grass-fed beef. I don't think that those interact in your body the same way. Um, and I, I just believe that the foods that have been introduced largely in the past 50 to 100 years are not necessarily the best things to be putting into our body regularly. I think that there's better options. Does it take a level of discipline? Yes. Is it a little bit less convenient sometimes? Yes. Does it have to be complicated? No, not at all. But that's kind of where I come from in terms of nutrition. I'm excited to chat with you about it today. Yeah, no, I, I um, well, the reason why I wanted to run this challenge at our gyms was first, I had to try it out for myself. And I had done, you know, I think we've talked about this before, you know, I had done the zone for almost like two years um, a, a while back, it was, you know, kind of right on the heels of me trying to drink chocolate milk and eat perfect bars every day. And Ben at the time was like, Hey, you know, you, you should learn how to weigh and measure your food to see how much you actually need to eat. And I, I actually do believe that to get a sense of how much you should eat, at one point, if this is a goal of yours, like you should just weigh and measure your food. If, if you know, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, it, I don't think it's sustainable for the rest of your life. I really don't. But what it did was it gave me really good guidelines and gave me the ability to understand, you know, how much of something I should be eating. But again, it, it wasn't sustainable for me. And I saw you starting to post about this. And, and to be quite honest with you, this is this is also along the same lines as, you know, what Marcus Philly talks, talks a lot about, you know, Marcus Philly does eat in a similar way. Um, although if we're talking about sustainability, I, it, it just appears that he has so much excess time in the day that he's able to, to do a lot more on like the food prep side, then I may have the ability to do like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it's excess time for Marcus. It might be access. 
you know, Marcus has a million followers on social media. He's somebody who's obviously a paradigm of, of health and fitness. He's probably got companies sending him absolutely everything that he's eating, or he's engineered a way to get those things conveniently to him because that motherfucker is busy, bro. He is filming content. He is recording content. He's writing content. He's on calls. He's programming. Like I've had Marcus and I communicate through social and, you know, he's, he's a good guy. Um, and we communicate through text every now and again. That, that, that dude is not just sitting on his fucking ass taking pictures of his abs. You know, he's, he's, he's definitely hustling. I think it's probably more of like an access and convenience. Yeah. So anyway, um, he's just slightly more ripped than you, but that's, that's besides he's like barely. 10 times more ripped than me. Like there's, there's a level, I mean, his physique for me is completely unattainable. I, I the amount of, discipline and sacrifice that I would have to make to look like that and genetic predispos predisposition and hard work. I don't know if I'm willing to make those types of sacrifices. The He's only doing it for fucking 20 years too, like at a crazy high level. The only dude that's closer to Philly is the dude that I'm just I'm just putting it out there and we're going to get back on the nutrition. So let's get on to the nutrition stuff. Oh, I'm just saying that's real. That's real that the dude the dude's physique is actually better close. better than Philly's. Pretty so, damn close. Well, for those of you who are listening who do not know who the dude is, we've talked about him in the past. He's a games masters athlete. He is probably the most ripped individual who I've ever seen in my CrossFit career. And also the person who came in looking like the most normal ass fucking human being that you would ever see. You'd be like, this guy probably played baseball in high school, likes to drink a six pack of Schlitz and eat fucking Kentucky fried chicken. And all of a sudden he lifted one weight and was, yeah, extremely ripped. Mike Dudevoir. He's the owner of CrossFit The Swamp in Swampscott, Massachusetts. Congratulations, Mike, on an epic games performance. We yeah, love he you. Killed, he killed it out there. He's, he's the freaking man. Sometimes um, this podcast turns into like the, the Northeast micro podcast where you had to like also be, be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. So I, I, I should stop. So anyway, let's, let's, let's get back on track with nutrition. I – when I wanted to, when I wanted to eventually do this at our gyms on a big level, the first thing that I wanted to do was to follow it for a couple of months and to see how it went for me. It was actually pretty easy for me to take out a couple of things and add in a couple of things into, into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm already pretty well versed in like bulk prep cooking. So I do think that anybody that's trying to make changes in their own nutrition has to understand, you know, a couple principles of making this happen. And one of the biggest things is how to how to bulk cook, batch cook, prep cook, whatever whatever word, whatever you want to call it, you have to know how to do that and what are staple foods in your diet, mm. you know? And so for, for Brittany and I, for my wife and I, it's really simple. It's um, we need to make sure that we, that we, that we prep cook a, uh, a bunch of chicken with, you know, marinades that we're either making at home or marinades that we're that we're finding at Whole Foods that are, you know, that are along the lines of the zero one rule. Um, and I'm with you, Matt, I really like, um, I like eating fruit. And so I need to make sure that we have enough fruit readily available. And for all the starchy carbs, making sure that we have ample amounts of rice and potatoes. Um, other than that, the, the best hack that I have found recently is buying all my berries frozen because it's way cheaper and actually makes it, I think a little bit tastier if they're like a little bit frozen mm. at the end of the night, it actually feels kind of like I'm having 
a frozen treat. So yeah, stuff like that. Sherberty, you can even blend them up with a little bit yep. of water. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, um, this, this way of eating is really based around, uh, lifestyle and consistency, right? It, it's not, it's not a gimmick. It, you could look at it and say, yeah, it's got a little title to it. That's a little gimmicky, but that's, that's kind of just to draw people in. But really, if you want to be successful with this approach to nutrition, the zero one rule, it's all about consistency. Like this is what I do day in and day out. And when I'm making concessions to that, when I'm stepping outside of this way of eating, I'm doing it consciously. And you could argue that, yeah, all these diets are like that, but you know, I'm prioritizing extremely high quality food entering my body in a way that I'm trying to control the quantity through just eating three meals a day. And I'm not really snacking. Um, I'm not really uh, going outside of the zero one rule for any sort of like fast foods or treats or anything like that. I have one or two glasses of wine a week, but I think the success of this diet just hinges and the success of most approaches to nutrition hinge on your consistency. Now you made a really good point with this. This diet also hinges very heavily on being prepared because this is not one of the approaches where, Oh, I, I only have this and this and this in my, my house and I'll just smash it into my macros and make it work. That's not what this is about. This is about right. making sure that you're approaching this with some foresight to understand that I'm going to put these high quality foods into my body. I have to have these high quality foods readily available. So it, it, uh, it forces your hand a little bit there. I, I want to I ask you a question about weighing and measuring though. And this is something that has never really sat right with me in terms of, of nutrition. You know, I, I do think that weighing and measuring can give you some accurate information about your caloric intake. It can get you pretty darn close. Now, is it actually spot on to the calorie? There's, there's no way that it's spot on to the calorie. It, it's, it's almost impossible because right. you're, we're not doing the fucking, uh, whatever it is, the physics equation or the chemical equation with every piece of food. So you don't really know, but it gets you close. Now, I'm, I'm going to take maybe a controversial stance here, and I'm going to say that weighing and measuring for many, many people probably is not necessary. It can be an effective tool for people who really struggle with uh, quantity control. I think it can be an effective tool for people who have very, very, very specific goals in terms of their physique. But, you know, in, in the annals of human history, how long have people been weighing and measuring their food? When, when, when did Weight Watchers come around? In the 60s, the 70s? Like, we're talking about 50 years. So oh, you're, I'm with you. you're telling me that something that's been around for 50 years is absolutely necessary for people in terms of nutrition, in terms of getting to the physique that they want to get to. I, I, I have a real hard time with that because it, it, you can do it without that. It takes discipline. It takes being tuned into what you're doing and not eating unconsciously. You have to have some restraint, you know, and I get it, putting those controls on yourself and saying that I can only have 150 grams of protein, 200 grams of carbs and 70 grams of fat. That's easy for people. But I also think that it, it's a, it's neurotic in a way that is like not necessarily conducive to like normal behavior. Like you're going to do that forever. You're going to put every piece of food that you're ever going to eat onto a scale before you put it into your mouth. And again, we, this, one of the things that we do on this podcast is don't yuck somebody else's yum. I'm not really yucking anybody else's yum. I just am questioning why everybody is so nutso about it. You know, I think that there's other ways. But that's well, just me. No, I think um, I think this is it's it's a really good point and a good question. I know for me, I had really specific athletic goals um, when I was at CFNE, and it felt like, man, the nutrition piece is something that I was having a really hard time with. And I mean, 
for those of you that don't know, like the zone is like counting macros for dummies. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's pretty simple, but like I said earlier, it's not sustainable. It's, 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 it was not sustainable for me. It worked for a while. And then, you know, I stopped doing it and was still able to maintain a, you know, good, good balance, but you know, like I'm excited to do this 90 day challenge. And I've heard people say, Oh, like you should never do, like you should never run challenges like at your gyms. Like it's not, that's not a healthy thing to do. It's like, I'm not, when we're running a challenge for 90 days, I'm not telling them, okay, after these 90 days, you know, you're going to lose 30 pounds and all this. It's like, no, how about this? How about that? It can take anywhere between 18 and 250 days to build a new habit. So what I'm telling you it's a big delta. is that huge, huge. That's that, that there have been multiple studies and that's the range. So, but what I am saying to my members is do something for 90 days. I guarantee you take something valuable away. Oh, for sure. Like, the, the other thing that, that I think is really, really interesting about what you just said is like, how long have you been weighing and measuring? Yeah, you're right. Not for a long time. And one of my favorite Instagram accounts is um, one of these, w- one of these accounts that just posts pictures of like old timey strongman and athletes from like the 1900s, you know, like early 1900s and shredded jacked strong and i'm always like huh i wonder what i wonder what cycle this guy was on what strength cycle he was on i wonder i wonder you know what what nutrition plan he was on it's like hmm i can tell you exactly what plan he was on he right. was on that i'm going to eat these fucking dozen eggs and this piece of steak and that yep. gallon of milk yep yeah and i'm going to and I'm gonna, 17 beers too. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to run and I'm going to yeah. work outside. For sure. And it's, it, oh, I, 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 I love it because I think the, I think the biggest thing that, that you've hit on is about consistency and simplicity. And I think that after all these years in trying a, a number of different things and you know, I mean, like we've all done it, right? Like you see some, this is huge in CrossFit. You see some new program. Oh, everybody's on the, you know, whatever, whatever the flavor of the month program is. And man, I gotta, I gotta hop on that program. Like that program is the key. Or like you said, it's like, I mean, dude, there was this whole wave of like, if it fits your macros and people are eating donuts, they're eating, they are eating donuts and they're like, dude, it fits your macros. It fits your macros. But on the on the fitness side, probably doesn't need to be that complicated. Probably get pretty fit squatting, deadlifting, and pressing on a regular basis, right? Like running, biking, rowing, whatever at pretty high intensity. And on the on the nutrition side, probably look and feel pretty awesome by just eating like really simple and well-sourced foods. And one thing I will say is this, because I'm sure that some people that would, would listen to this would be like, oh, well, that means that you have to go, you know, you have to do all your shopping at Whole Foods and your, and, and your grocery bill is $500 a week. Actually, not at all. Now, you can do all of this on a budget. Like, really, you can. You can eat pretty good food on a pretty tight budget. For sure. The thing is, the first thing is you actually need the education behind it of what to buy, how to cook it, right? And I think that is is one of the hardest things because a lot of people will see this and, like you said, like be like, oh, well, that's not for me. Like, you know, you got to... You got to be a millionaire, you know, because me and MDV, just millionaires. Um, like I said before, we're deals, negotiations, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, we're trying. We're trying to get there. 
hey, with, the, with, with this approach to nutrition, it works for me. It works for my lifestyle. It works for my preferences for food. It works for the results that I've gotten. And I'll talk about that in a second. It might not work for other people. It might not work from a compliance standpoint. It might not work from a food preference standpoint. It might not work because, I don't know, you just didn't put the right foods into your body, whatever. You have to experiment with these things on your own. I can't make your decisions for you. Eating food is like the last bastion of freedom that we have. Nobody is going to forcibly take food and put it into your mouth except you. So you can make those decisions on which approach you want to follow with nutrition. But what I can tell you is that my build is where I want it to be. My blood work is where I want it to be. In fact, it's better than where I want it to be. My performance is pretty darn good for being you know, 38, 39 years old and still being able to do just about everything that I want to do minus some stuff that's going on in my hip right now, unrelated to my nutrition. Um, for me, I prioritize spending money on this stuff. You know, I think that this whole debate about how much you spend money on food, first of all, it's my priority to spend the money where I want to spend it, just like it's your priority to spend it where you want to spend it. But what I will tell you is that We've won the fucking lottery in terms of being human beings living in 2022. We are living in the best time to be alive ever. And yes, everybody has different situations. Everybody's born into different circumstances. Yes, you're born in different parts of the world. It might not be as great. Still, a lot of people who are listening to this po podcast have a lot of access to a lot of amazing things that we should be very thankful for. My point of view on that is that why would I want to put trash into my body on a regular basis? You know, like it's like having a Ferrari and then just deciding that you're going to put some sludge diesel into the engine because it's cheap. That makes no sense. You know, occasionally, yes, I'm going to step outside of the zero one rule and I'll eat something that's non-compliant to that. But the vast majority of the time, I'm going to be pretty spot on. And I think that that's the kind of, if you, if you want to be fit, if you want to have a certain build, if you want to have, you know, a, a high level of health that you're devoid of a lot of metabolic disease, I truly believe that you have to make those decisions more often than not. If you want to go the other way, it's almost like you're gambling a little bit and I like to play poker, so I understand people like to gamble. I just don't like to gamble with my body. So that's where I'm at in this whole equation. There's an interesting stat. I don't know if you saw it, Max, where a couple of people have posted this online recently, that obesity rates for the past 30 years have continued to climb. The graph for obesity rates is like a pretty sharp angle up. But around 30 years ago, the caloric intake number leveled off. So obesity and caloric intake were on this kind of parallel path up, up until about 1990 something. And then all of a sudden there was this divergence. Obesity kept going up, but calories stayed somewhat flat with a slight rise. This is really interesting to me because this denotes maybe a couple of things. It's really hard to say for certain what it is, but Number one, it probably denotes that there's been a, an extreme drop in activity, that a lot of people over the past 30 years have become more sedentary. Sedentary, excuse me. That's certainly one possibility that could contribute to that. Another possibility is the fact that the amount of processed foods or seed oils or additives that have been added into our food have impacted people in a way that might be counter to the law of thermodynamics, just calorie in, calorie out. That's a really interesting thread to pull on. Aside from those two things, there's not a whole lot of other stuff that you can point to in terms of why this might be happening. So I'm really interested to see if there's any more exploration of that data. Uh, well, I mean, I can tell you that I know for a fact as a gym owner that activity levels have dropped. And I can also tell you that from being involved in early childhood education, as well as middle school ed, 
that activity level has completely plummeted. And, you know, that's something when I, when I was teaching kindergarten, when I was kind of right out of school, my students only had 30 minutes every day outside. That's crazy. 30, 30 minutes of recess for freaking kindergartners. For kindergarten. Anybody, anybody that's listening, think about back when you were in kindergarten and you were only moving for 30 minutes a day, you'd be completely out of your freaking mind. Well, it only took me about a month of my first year teaching to be like, well, this, this has to stop. So I just started taking all my lessons outside that any chance that I had to teach outside, I just took. And the, the crazy thing is this other teachers in the school were pushing back on me and For talking kids outside. Wow. And, and talking to the administration about, about, you know, Mr. Isaac is, is taking his classes outside during, you know, non, non recess times. And I had my principal come and talk to me and she's like, so, you know, I'm understanding that you're taking, you know, uh, a math lesson outside for the kindergartners. I'm like, yeah, hundred percent, you know, like I've, I've adapted my curriculum, my lesson planning to make sure that we can still do our math lesson outside, but I'm going to have these kids outside and moving for as much time as I possibly can, because I'm 36 years old. And when we sit down for an hour, I am at my limit by the time we are done of not moving. I have to get up. I also think I probably have some ADD and other stuff going, other stuff going on, but I have to be moving. And when you have five, six-year-olds, they also have to be moving. Anyway, long story short, kids aren't moving a lot at all. They're not. And when I taught middle school, it was very similar. And no matter what, the past three years during this lockdown and during the pandemic, nobody moved. Everybody initially thought that working from home was going to be the greatest thing in the world. And it has turned out to be a massive curse. Working from home, I'll put it out there right now, if you are not a motivated person, is what is a kiss of death. It is a kiss of death for you, working from home. Not only that, but people, and this is completely off topic from, from nutrition, but something I feel incredibly passionately about, people are lacking the ability to socialize now. People have oh, yeah. absolutely no clue how to do it because they're working from home. I mean, just think about this. Like the past three years, you work from home, you sit in front of your computer all day. And what companies have done is now there are no buffer times between meetings. I have talked to a number of people that work for large companies. Their meetings are now back to back to back to back to back. Well, you're working from home. You can always take this next Crazy. meeting. So, so people are sitting all the time. And let me tell you, if you're sitting all the time, do you know what you reach for for food? You're certainly not going to the kitchen to make yourself this really wonderful, well-thought-out, elaborate meal even though it's right next to you, you are taking whatever is easy. Yeah, right? it doesn't even need to be elaborate. It just needs to be better than what you have access to that's in a bag or a box or some sort of microwavable plastic. Yeah, right. It, we could go down such a rabbit hole in terms of the whole uh, connection and communication and you know where society is at right now with people really being unable to tap into those things and, and, and be a part of a community We're all of humanity is a community. And, you know, when we have these things that take us away from interacting with others, we get worse at being a community. You know, we have people who become isolated that have no, you know, connection. And then they have no, they feel like they have no, or they develop this uh, severe lack of empathy and, you know, they become, people who have not a lot of feeling about who others are or what others do or why they might believe certain things. And then you have this crazy fundamentalism that develops and that's kind of the lower risk. And you can also have this crazy, insane proclivity for violence and like this desensitization, desensitizing of 
who you are. And, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that happens, we don't have to go into specific examples, but there's been a lot of tragedies that have happened. And yes, there are, there's a severe mental health issue in our country. But I also think that this is part of the mental health issue that we have people who aren't socializing. They, they, they don't, they don't have access to get any connection with people and they become self-isolated. Technology is really interesting to me. Technology should theoretically allow you to be more active because it's shortening the learning gap on things. It shortens the amount of time that you have to spend on looking stuff up. But what's actually happened is technology has made us less and less and less active because we're implementing it more. You're taking the technology instead of using it as a tool, you're using it as a crutch. It becomes everything for you. So in school, everything you do is in front of a fucking screen. Everything that you do, there's no stepping away from it. Why wouldn't you use it for what it's meant for is to, you know, find out the things that you want to find out or do the thing that you want to do and then go outside and like go and live your life or go and like try something or go and try to bring it in, into practice as a, a functioning human being. It, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, just life lately. And I, I don't know whether or not it's because I'm getting to like the quote unquote middle, but you know, you're not even, you're not even close to the middle dog. I'm, we're in, somewhere in the middle. I'm not Malcolm in the middle, but we're in the middle. So Imagine this, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what happens after the lights go out, but let's pretend for this argument that you only get one spin around this, uh, around the, the, the world, right? Why would we spend every waking moment in front of a computer screen? Why wouldn't you want to like go out and experience nature? Why wouldn't you want to go and, you know, connect with people or go try things or go explore somewhere? It's so crazy to me. And it's, I seem like it's probably lost further and further with younger generations about like the fragility of, of life. And then also just how short our time is here, you know, in the span of human history, we're like, we're at the, if the, if human history was a race and there was a starting line, our toe is like not even across the starting line. That's where we're at. We think we're like the be all and end all of everything, but what humans have been around for 10,000 years. Like, is that, I might be misquoting it, but even if it's a hundred thousand years, that's nothing in comparison to the universe. So what the fuck are we actually doing? Like, why wouldn't you want to make more of your life than just sitting in front of a screen all day? And again, not to yuck anybody's yum, but it's, doesn't seem to be working out for a lot of people. No. And to bring this back full circle to our nutrition talk, wh why wouldn't you try and maximize your time when you're here? Why, why, like, why wouldn't you try to live a healthier and more fruitful life, even if it's a little bit more difficult at first? Because, you know, I think it's scary yeah. for a lot of people. No, you're well, you're you're hundred percent right. And the other thing is, and this is something I've been talking about in um I I run I run this thing called uh Monday Motivation with Coach Max with uh Ooh. with with this uh Hitachi Ventera and Whoop group. And what I was talking about over the past couple of weeks is you know what it takes to really drive change in your life. And what I said, I gave nutrition as an example, is I said, you need to pick something that feels so incredibly easy that you don't think it will create any change. And the fear thing, and this is why I said this, is a lot of times when people think about making a change in their nutrition, they're like, all right, I'm going to throw out everything in my house that has any ingredients in it. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to spend $500 on a whole new group of foods. I'm going to cook every single meal from home. I'm going to weigh and measure everything. It's like zero to a hundred. And so the, the suggestion that I make to most people when they, when they want to change something in their nutrition 
Maybe you'll laugh at this. I don't know. I said, you should wake up every morning and eat a banana. They're like, they're like, okay. And I said, do that for a month. Like, what do you mean? I said, every single freaking day when you wake up, eat a banana. See if you can do that. Mm. See if you can stick with that for a month. Could you eat a banana every single day for a month? You're like, well, why would I do that? I'm like, well, there, there's your first step. Let's actually see if you can comply to eating one banana every day for a month. First thing in the morning. If you can't do that, if you can't take that one simple step, how on earth are you going to create all this change? Do, do you know what I mean? It's like everybody feels like it has to be the most extreme thing ever. Or it's like somebody's like, I'm trying to get fit. I'm trying to get in shape. I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to get a personal trainer. I'm going to work out five to six times a week. And what do you do right now? I do nothing right now. How about this? How about go for a 20-minute walk every day for a month? I don't disagree with you. I, 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 do, I have a slightly different perspective because I do think that cold turkey or complete 180s can work for some people. There are some people out there who are completely – for lack of a better term, fucked and go, I'm tired of this and I'm yep. done. And it, they can do it. The amount of willpower, the amount of discipline, the amount of mental fortitude, the amount of like resistance to temptation that that takes is insane, insane. And that's why I think when most people make that type of call on themselves, they are unsuccessful because it's fucking hard. It's really, really hard especially when you come from zero and you try to go to a hundred, that is very, very challenging. But here's the, the, the really messed up part about this is that it sounds so tempting. It's so tempting to be doing nothing. And then all of a sudden make all these elaborate plans. It's so tempting to be like, all right, six nights a week, I sit on the couch the other night a week. Guess what I do? I sit on the couch. So seven nights a week, I'm on the couch and I'm going to go to the gym five days a week now. That's a humongous change. That is a humongous change. You're changing your lifestyle. All of a sudden, you're going to feel like you don't know which way is up. You're going you're gonna to resent the fact that you tried to make this like complete 180. So yeah, I think for the most part, I agree with you. When, when you're trying to make these types of more drastic changes with a big goal in mind, you have to be a little bit more conservative in terms of how you start. And then habits stack on top of that. Maybe it starts off with, yeah, I'm going to eat a banana or make my bed or I'm going to take the, the artificial sugar out of my coffee or you know, instead of the McMuffin, I'm going to make my eggs at home, whatever. Once you do that one thing for a period of time, you can add something on top of it. You've built the habit. Now you can add something on top of it. Right. Something tangential is usually best because if it's make your bed and you've done that for a month and then after that, it's like, oh, 10 minute walk. Humans are creatures of habit. You'll make your bed and you'll be like, all right, it's time to go for my walk. And that's the best way to start habit stacking. And then you can kind of extrapolate that across your entire day. But here's the thing. I don't believe in making your bed. I believe in it big time. I think that, uh, I think that that's one of the most powerful speeches that I've ever heard. Um, the, speech, the speech is great. I love the speech. Making your bed is stupid. It's symbolic, I, uh, though. It's completely I, symbolic. I know. I know. I know the symbolism. It's just, it's not, it's not the right symbol because making the bed is a worthless task. You just get back into the bed. Listen. No, no, wake no. Wake no, up. No. In, I, yes, yes, my man. Listen, how about this? Wake up in the morning, take a shower, brush your teeth. That has more meaning. Yes, taking a shower is the act of getting yourself ready for the day. The reason that is how you get ready for your day. The reason it's powerful is because it's easily meaningless. That's the reason. Because you could, you literally, nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever give a fuck. Most people would say, that's, that's stupid. That's the reason why it's so powerful. Because it's mm. the thing that's the easiest for you not to do. Yeah. There's a lot of other easy stuff. This is something where we're going to agree to disagree. Because oh, I thought I had you there. I thought I, I, no, thought I, I don't line no, into the no, water. And no, 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 I don't care at all. I'm going to create a new speech 
that says, wake up in the morning, eat a banana. I and, thought you were going to say, wake up in the morning, feel like P. Diddy. No. Oh, it's going to be wake up in the morning and, and eat a banana. And then EC will do a spin on it, a riff. And they'll say, wake up in the morning and eat two bananas. Because that is my favorite social media post that EC puts out. And that's and I hang my hat on that because let me tell you, there are so many people that if you if you tell somebody, tell somebody you 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 had two bananas, they'll be like, that's not that's not okay. You are not going to be okay after eating two bananas. And know what I say to that MDV? Give me three bananas. I'll eat three <laughs> bananas. I'll eat three bananas and live to tell a tale Curious about eating George three bananas. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's a I, that's a great post. I think EC is a uh, a strong account to follow. Optimize Mean Nutrition. EC Sinkowski, one of the OGs in the CrossFit community, has a kind of uh, asserted herself as being the nutrition guru. I actually Jeez. don't ag- I don't agree with her on everything, but oh. I know that she probably doesn't agree with me on everything either. Oh, but I will tell you that the way that we're doing. Well, oh yeah, our challenge is the the one zero challenge, not the zero one. The way that we're doing the one zero is half of our plate is fruits and vegetables. So without even realizing it, you're doing the they're hitting. Challenge. No, it's not called the eight hundred gram challenge. We call it the gram eight hundred challenge. So <laughs> All without even bowls. without even realizing it, we hit the gram eight hundred challenge in the one zero still. So we're going to we're going to call it the 10800 challenge. The 1800 challenge. The 1800 challenge. Oh man. Now that that actually sounds <laughs> I I like the sound of that. So yeah. if you're looking for more information on the 1800 challenge, you call 1800 Max Isaac. No, um but anyway, so we're we're gonna get we're gonna get to do that half the half the plate fruits and veggies, and um, I'm also just gonna put it out there that bananas are the ultimate fruit. So they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Um, talking about the one eight hundred challenge made me think about back when you were like in middle school and you discovered the fact that if you called certain numbers with one eight hundred and then dialed in some sort of dirty words afterwards, you would get like a recording of like this really sexy voice telling you that you were like, anyway, we don't have to get into that discussion. Well, hold on, hold on. What, what I remember about, uh, we're talking about 1-800 stuff is, do you remember before you had a cell phone or anything like that? And you had to call your parents to pick you up. I would call my mother collect and they would say, say your name (laughs) after the beep. And I'd say, hey, mom, at the mall, the food court, can you pick me up at seven o'clock? And that, and then my mom would not accept the call, hang up, and she'd pick me up at seven o'clock. And that, exactly. I guess I've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing it for, I remember I had a beeper for a while. Drug dealer. No, not really. I mean, was okay, we do a lot of Dave Matthews we're not, band and <laughs> all right, we're not we're not getting into this, but there's no reason for anybody to ever have a pager unless unless you had a very serious relationship in middle school and then you were beeping each other one four three one four three. Oh one, four, by three. the way, which is a great Ray J in Bobby Bracken song, one four three is absolutely killer. You're going to listen to it. It's really, really good. Probably not going to listen to that. Okay. okay. But still, still a slick move if you want to tell your significant other, your SO, one, four, three. One, four, three. All right, I Mr. Max. It. Well, I know that you're. Oh, wait. Ready. What's up, bud? You're, you're cutting me off? All right. Last yeah, thing. Yeah, you, wanna... you probably got to run to Vermont or you got to do something. Oh, my God. Okay. Can we just put it all out here? You've been traveling a lot as well. So it's not this just past me. Week. You've been traveling a lot as well. One thing I want to know is what the best movie you've seen recently. Oh, doesn't have to be gosh. doesn't have to be new, but what Good have you question. seen recently? Good question. You know what I missed and then I, I watched it recently and I thought it was phenomenal. I didn't think I was going to like it at all. But I right. I was laughing my ass off the whole time. War Dogs. 
With, oh, I've seen that. Is that with Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill and um, the kid who was in the new Top Gun. It's, uh, it's, it's really good. That movie is fantastic. And if anybody it, it, out there who hasn't seen War Dogs, watch it tonight. It's really good. I'm going to give a, a couple of movie recommendations here. Shoot. First one, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, new, new movie that's out right now. I think you can, you can definitely get on iTunes. It's a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Go out and watch it. I'm going to give you another movie that is complete and utter crap, and you should not see this movie. And even though this is, this is the thing, though, you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. The movie's called The Northman, and this movie sucks. It's really, really <laughs> bad, but, but you think it's, it's going to be really good. It's not. Um, I'll, I'll put you out of misery now. And then the last thing in this movie still stands up is the original Friday Night Lights. And I watched it. I watched it last night with Britt. I don't know why we watched it. Still really good. Friday Night Lights or Varsity Blues, if you had to pick one, which would it be? Yeah, um, there's some good stuff in Varsity I got, Blues. I, I gotta, I gotta rewatch Varsity Blues. Um, James Vanderbeek. I don't want your life. That's what it's from. I said, I said that to Britt last night. I said, I don't want your life. She goes, What is that even from? I said, I Varsity don't know. Blues. But every, but every time I see a football movie, I think of it. That's I got. We go. I got. I gotta watch Varsity Blues. All right. Um, last question before we sign off, always want to know what'd you do for a workout today? Uh, this morning I just micro dosed some pull-ups, some dips, some squats. Uh, I've been doing that a lot, you know, where I don't really feel like getting into a full workout. I'll just pick about seven or eight sets and try to sprinkle them in throughout my morning. So that's what I did so far. I am going to hit a 10 by three back squat and I'm going to do some bike sprints. Um, couple things i've also really liked doing that with um like last week i did that for like 10 sets of five with a double kettlebell clean and jerk mm. just no no set amount of time and then earlier today i took the 615 and we did the hero workout badger three rounds 30 <laughs> squat cleans 30 pull-ups 800 meter run one of the worst the, workouts of that, all time the worst but the best um, that workout made me feel so incredibly unfit when you do a 95 pound squat clean and you're like, I might die. Um, so anyway, that's what we did. And then, uh, after this, I'm headed out, we're going to take a class at the spin studio and I'm probably, I got a deadlift tonight too. God damn, dude. Take a little rest, leave some fitness for the rest of us, buddy. Okay. All right. All right. I will talk to you soon, Mr. Max. I love you, buddy. See you later. Love you too. Bye, Matt. Bye. Hello friends, MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.